Well, good morning. All right. It's uh, always interesting to know how exactly you start out. For me, I, I go and I will fill in at a church for a while, and uh, or I'll fill in on a vacation. Now, I will. I do. Before I forget, I do want you to know that your pastor David is thinking of you even while he's not here. I got a very nice text probably on Wednesday. I think it said. Uh, Dan, just let you know I'm praying for you as you prepare to preach there on, on Sunday. And I responded and said, that was a very kind way of reminding me that I should be there. <laughs> Have a nice vacation. I actually didn't know where he was. and uh, But j just to let you know, he was thinking of you and reminding me that I better be here on the job. So I am very, of course, pleased to be here and see some of you I know. I think, well, that's the way I feel. And others of you I don't know quite as well. Now, of course, this morning, here's one thing that happens as I go and then I come back, and that is you find that some of the believers are no longer here, that they've died. And, of course, uh, for me, this is the first time that I've been here since Mike's not sitting right there. So it's very fresh in my mind. And Bob is not sitting back there. And uh, both of them were talkers when you preached. And so uh, we honor their memories this morning. I especially, uh, Bob and I always thought, Jenny, one of these days you were going to get up and do a quartet number because he and I love that old quartet music. And we would laugh about that and say, you just watch one of these days, Jenny will get up there and it'll be a quartet. And there'll be a bass in there and it'll just end. So it's never too late. So there you go. All right. Um, but we do honor memories like that so i'll get pull myself together here in a second and then we'll 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 begin and i think to begin i'm gonna i'm gonna read the scripture that i am gonna be preaching on today and it is a scripture which many of you may well know by heart and uh, but i'm gonna read it i'm gonna be reading it out of the new king james now before i start i'm gonna ask how many of you know Psalm 23 by heart. Now, you go ahead and raise your hand. All right. Now, go ahead and raise them a little higher. This is not, you're not making anybody feel bad, and I'm not going to call you up here. Okay, so some of you got, you've got it. All right. Now, that's an encouragement to the rest of you that uh, that memorization isn't dead, because you can remember some things. You can remember all of you. I don't care how old you are. Even if you're a teenager, you can remember where you left your cell phone. If you can remember where you found that, you can remember, you can actually memorize stuff. It's pretty cool. And uh, Psalm 23, so I'm going to read it in, in the New King James because that's close to my beloved King James that I learned it in, and then we'll move into more modern versions. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
One of the problems of, of preaching on a verse like this is it's so common that you've heard it so many times that it's easy to look past it. So just to let you know, we'll see if I can hold your attention and teach you a few new things that have been good for me to remember and good for me to learn. So today, this morning, we're going to be looking at verses 1 and 2. That's all that we'll look at this morning. Let's pray before I start. Father, I thank you for an opportunity to share your word. Help me, Lord, now to shut out the world, shut out the cares, shut out the worries, and focus on your word and what you'd like to happen here today. Use me, Lord. Help me to speak honestly and help me to communicate well. And so, Father, I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, when it comes to sermons, it's important that I speak, and it's important also that you listen, because if nobody's listening, nothing happens. The night that the uh, Titanic struck the iceberg, the uh, radio operator on the Titanic immediately sent out a message, and he said, we've struck an iceberg, send help immediately. On board the USS Carpathia, the radio man was getting his pajamas on to crawl into bed, but has left his radio on. He heard the message, and they steamed to the, to the area, and they saved over 700 lives. There was another ship that was a lot closer. The radio man was asleep. He never heard the message. They saved no lives. So please, this morning, be like the USS Carpathia, and give me your ears and minds for the next 30 minutes, and we'll see if we can do something good. The, the sermon title this morning is Satisfaction and Stress. Now, obviously, if you're satisfied, you're not stressed. And if you're stressed, you're not satisfied. So we're going to look at the two things, and we're going to look at how we can be satisfied and how we can get rid of stress in our lives. There was a famous naturalist who was a minimalist. He didn't want to own anything. His name was John Muir. And uh, he said to one of the richest men at the time, back uh, probably 70, 80 years ago, he said, I'm richer than you are. And now this rich man had millions of dollars, and he said, oh, how do you figure? And he said, well, he said, I've got all I want, and you don't. Do you have everything you want? What are you looking for? Are you satisfied? Or are you always looking for a little bit more? John D. Rockefeller was a multi-multi-millionaire, and one day someone asked him, well, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough? And he said, oh, just, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Satisfaction is a tough thing. Most of us are never satisfied. We're always chasing something. We either want more stuff, or we want someone else, or we want something better. We want to be skinnier. We want to be fatter. We want to be taller. You don't. I don't know what you want. I want hair. I'm never going to get hair. But but we always we want something, and most of the stuff doesn't matter. It absolutely does not matter. But we struggle with it. And so, as we start out, we look at satisfaction. It's interesting, as the verse starts out, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, what are you going to preach on in Psalm 23rd? Now, we could start out, and we could say, okay, we're just going to look at one word. At the time that this was written, the Egyptians had 350 gods that they had to take care of and keep satisfied. 350. But here it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Thee, just one. You only have one Lord. 
You don't have two. You don't have three. You think you do. Sometimes we act like we do, but it's the. Or we could focus on the word Lord. The word Lord here is Jehovah. Jehovah. The Most High God. The Creator God. The Creator of the universe. That is your shepherd. Or we could, we could focus on the word is. The Lord is my shepherd. It doesn't say he was my shepherd or he will be my shepherd. He is my shepherd. Someone has said it is, uh, the Lord is my shepherd as he always was, is, and he always will be, is. Always present tense. Or my, the Lord is not Jenny Shepherd, the Lord is not Dan Shepherd, the, the Lord isn't Grace's Shepherd, and the rest of you are just out of luck. He is our Shepherd. And how about the word Shepherd? Someone who cares for me. Well, as we look at these words, I want to focus first on the word Lord. Now, the word Lord here in Psalm 23.1 is the word for Jehovah. Jehovah. And that, indeed, the Jewish people saw that as such a holy word that at, at, for a long time they pronounced the word Jehovah one time per year during their highest holy days. When the priest went into the Holy of Holies, one time per year. It might help you think a little bit why God says, don't take my name in vain, how precious it is, how holy it is. And uh, this is, of course, uh, he, it, he's the self-existent one. He's the great I am. He's the creator of the world. He's the ruler of the universe. This one, that's the one that is our shepherd. When they would copy the scriptures, when they would come to the word Jehovah, they would take the pen they were using, they would put it down, they would get a new pen, and they would write Jehovah, and then it would continue. They'd get to the new, and they'd do it again. It's holy. Is your shepherd holy? This is the, the, Now, of course, this is for those who are in a relationship with Christ. This for those who have bent the knee to Christ and say, yes, I need your salvation. Make me holy. So the word is the Lord, but this Lord is a shepherd. Now, shepherds, that's good. Jehovah in the Old Testament is the Jesus in the New Testament. You don't, don't be silly. Don't be thinking that Jesus one day appeared in Bethlehem, that he was there when the earth was created. He was there when Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. He was there when David was named on the throne. So this is our Jehovah. And, and, and that speaks of the fact that if we're going to have a shepherd, we want to have the right one. And our shepherd is the great shepherd. Now, in the New Testament, three times, Jehovah, Jesus, or Jesus is described in the New Testament as, as a shepherd. In John 10, 11, he's called the good shepherd. So we don't have just any shepherd. He's a good shepherd. But in Hebrews 13, 21, he's called the great shepherd because he paid the, the, the penalty for sin. And then he is called the chief shepherd because he is coming back for us. So he's not just any shepherd, but in Psalm 22, if you go read Psalm 22, you would see that he is the good shepherd. If you read Psalm 23, you're going to see that he's the great shepherd because he rises from the grave. And in Psalm 24, the great shepherd is coming again. Now, that's a little bit technical, a little bit dry, and some of you are now half asleep. How does that satisfy you? Because you don't want to be like the little boy who loved, loved, loved pancakes so much 
that one day his mom said, you know, I'm going to fix him because he makes a glutton of himself every time we're somewhere. He just wants to keep eating pancakes. So she said, Johnny, look, today I'm going to make you all the pancakes you want. Oh, man. He said, that's great. So she started making them and he ate one. She made another and he ate that one. She made another. He ate that one and, and on and on. And, and she saw that he was starting to slow down a little bit. So she uh, stood there by the griddle and she said, Johnny, you, uh, you, you want another pancake? And he said, no, ma'am, I don't want the ones I already had. Has that ever happened to you? When you ate that great big triple Big Mac and now you're so full, you're just sick and you wish you'd never done it? But see, and then tomorrow you're going to be hungry again. Why? Because you're going to things that can never satisfy you permanently. We have a sovereign. He is the Lord most, most high. We have a shepherd. And he is a shepherd that came and is coming again. But then what David does here is he puts these two together. He says, Jehovah is my shepherd. I don't have just any old shepherd. I got the best shepherd. In Psalm 37, 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you? Do you delight yourself in the Lord? Do you do that every day, or do you just do that when you come in? Now, I noticed this morning, Danny, it took you almost two songs to get people in here kind of warmed up. What's up with that? Now, I know some of you probably got up five minutes before you got here, but you've been up for a while. Come on, folks, you know. You got to get it going here. The secret of satisfaction is Jesus. What's the first thing you do when you get out of bed in the morning? What's the first thing that you do when you open your eyes? Groan, moan, I don't know. Check, see if you're still there. What do you do? I hope what you do is something worthwhile. Now, I will tell you that every morning, every morning after I get up, I have a very holy spiritual moment. I drink a cup of coffee. Now, I'm not making fun. I'm telling you, that cup of coffee, don't talk to me while I'm drinking my first cup of coffee. Don't bother me while I'm drinking my cup of coffee. Don't ask me what I'm doing. You can see what I'm doing. I'm drinking my cup of coffee. But there's one thing I do before that. Every day, I actually open this device, and it's one of the things it's actually good for, and I read a verse a day. Now, isn't that silly? I mean, there's a whole, there's thousands of verses in the Bible. We ought to be reading it all the time. But what do you do when you first open your eyes? And it's been actually great because Louisa and I, that's my wife, we've struggled for years. How do you actually do, do you know, devotions together? And so we've settled on, okay, you know what? Now, often we're at the, at the table and we read the, our daily bread together. That's great. But we'll, I'll say, hey, did you read that verse today? Now, hers is in Spanish, mine's in English, and then we'll compare notes. It's a great thing. So can I encourage you when you get up in the morning to seek the shepherd first? Because then you see, when I'm drinking my cup of coffee, what I try to do is think about that verse. Instead of thinking about the 12,286 problems that I have coming for me today. A few years ago, I came back from Ecuador. I went to work for my brother. That was nice. Then a couple years ago, my brother decided to retire and sold me the business. He was in there the other day. I had six phone calls, three problems, this thing, and he was sitting there, and, and uh, it all calmed down, and he said, well, 
I'm going to play golf now. Have fun. And he walked out the door. He's, he's an older brother. He actually thought it was really funny. And some days, and I don't know about you, I don't know what your job's like, I don't know what your life's like, but some days I just think I'm playing. Has, have you ever been to the carnival and played whack-a-mole? How many people have played whack-a-mole? Okay, that's what I do at my desk. And you don't know what it is, look it up on YouTube, whack-a-mole. It's like, I got it, I got it, I missed that one. And I get to the end of the day, and I am not at all satisfied. And I have not been at all successful. And I am supremely stressed. And I have 15 minutes from the time I leave the office until I come through the door when somebody that I'm married to expects me to have a smile on my face when I come in the door. Now, I also have Sophie. Sophie's my 10-year-old. For those who don't know, she's autistic. She's nonverbal. She's also the happiest girl in the whole USA. If you don't, do you know that song, Jenny? Donna Fargo, I'm the happiest girl in the whole USA. Listen to it this afternoon. It's a beautiful song, and I often think that's Sophie, especially when the bus comes. But I get there. She is there. She's bobbing back and forth and ready to go. Put it all aside. But you, you see, if I don't start my day well, I'm, I don't have a hope. I was going to say, I don't, I don't have a chance. I just don't if I don't start it well. You know, it's kind of like I cut that board three times, it's still too short. Maybe one more time. It doesn't work. And that's what I'm talking about in life. When we come to the scriptures, we go back to those old verses, or we go back to the old songs. And Bob, I am like you in that I remember those old songs. I'll bet my parents thought it was hopeless. And I'll be running in the morning, or I'll be going somewhere, and all of a sudden, somebody I'll be humming some song, and it might be all the way my Savior leads me. What have I to fear besides? Should I doubt your tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? And one of my nieces or nephews or my wife, will, what song is that? Well, they get in there, and they stay in there. But what you focus on is what sticks in your head. Think about that and tremble tremble. David says, the sovereign God of the universe is also my shepherd. So I should be in, in pretty good shape. And so he says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of the heart. You get your priorities straight, and he'll give you what you want. The secret of satisfaction is Jesus. Now, there are seven conjoined names in, in the Old Testament. There are more than that, but there are seven here I want to point out that are used. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. Ra, Jehovah Jireh, we probably use that one. That's the Lord is my provider. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Shalom, we know that one. He's the Lord our peace. Jehovah Sidkenu is a lot, not quite so known. That's the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Shanima, the Lord our pre ever present. And Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Now David takes those and he uses all seven of those in Psalm 23. You ready? Listen. Jeho the Lord is my shepherd. Who's that? Jehovah Ra, the shepherd. I shall not want Jehovah Jireh the Lord who provides. He restores my soul, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. And I will fear no evil. Jehovah Shama, the Lord ever present. Now, did you know all that was there in Psalm 23? No, you just read it quick and got on through. And it's amazing, they will use Psalm 23, they'll use it at birthday parties, and they'll use it at funerals. They'll use it everywhere, but it, Psalm 23 is all about life and death. Satisfaction and stress is part of life, but when, when you approach death, I can guarantee you when Bob approached death, he smiled like a five-year-old boy waiting for his birthday cake. There was no fear in death at all. Because he had his mind on the right things. The Lord, Jehovah, the Almighty God, who created the heavens and the earth. That Lord, that's your shepherd. He's the one who's with you when you're doing good stuff, and you're doing stupid stuff, when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're sleeping, when you're awake, when you're driving. That's your shepherd. He's the great shepherd. But are you satisfied? Now, this poem was written by somebody that I don't know, but I like it. It's called, uh, well, it's not really a poem, but it was spring, it says. But it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted. The warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted. The freedom and respect. I was 20. But it was 30 I wanted, to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle-aged I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, and I never got what I wanted. And you never get what you want if you're wanting things that you cannot have. But if you want a close relationship with the creator of the world and your shepherd, that you can have. So if you're not satisfied, folks, guess what? You're stressed. And let's talk about why you're stressed. Now, we've been talking about the shepherd. The shepherd satisfies. Now, stress, that is something that is endemic to sheep. Isn't it nice that the, that the Lord compares us to sheep? Is there anybody in here who raises sheep? Anybody ever raise sheep? I always want, oh, there we go, got one. I always wanted to have sheep on the farm when I was growing up. My dad looked at me and he said, in your dreams. I had sheep once. They're the dumbest animal on the planet. They are infused with dumb. We will never have sheep. And I never thought about it. Okay, all we like sheep have gone astray. Yep. God was not complimenting us when he said, you're a sheep, folks. It's not a good thing. You think about what sheep can do. They can eat and be eaten. That's it. You know, they're not, they, they, they're not a lion. They can't defend themselves. They can't run fast. Like I mean, they're just, just sheep. They're dumb. They're defenseless. They're directionally challenged. They're easily, easily lost. They're dependent. They need a lot of care. So somebody's got to take care of them so that they're calm. Because when they're stressed, they do not grow. They do not make wool, kind of like you, and they don't reproduce. Now, any, anybody here that has a cow-calf operation? Anybody here? 
All right, well, we got a couple, okay. Isn't that really nice when your cows don't reproduce? That's nice, you can just have them out there because they're pretty. Look at they're all shiny, you go out there, pet them. Oh, really? No! But if they're stressed, they will not reproduce, and sheep are the same way. So you as sheep, how are you going to, because the idea is actually that you grow, that you actually share your faith. Now, you don't want to use words, that's fine. Just live a beautiful life and people will ask, what's up with you? But sheep need to be stress-free. So, okay, why can we be stress-free? You can be because, first of all, the Bible says that we are secure in our shepherd. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. That sounds pretty nice doesn't it? Just relax and enjoy. Don't look at anything. Don't listen to anything. Just relax. We're secure in our shepherd. Why? First of all, the characteristics of the shepherd. Compassion. Compassion. In, in Matthew 9, 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In Isaiah 40, 10, 40, verse 11, it says that he cares for the sheep. It says he, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Their shepherd is also in John 11 and 10, 11, it says courage. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, a lot of sheep lay down their life for the shepherd. When the shepherd is hungry, he eats them. But only one shepherd laid down his life for a sheep. He was the good shepherd. Now, those are the characteristics. What about the place? Well, the place says, Jesus, Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, in, 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 in that time, they would build a corral. And at night, they would bring the sheep in. It would go in through the door. And then the shepherd would lay down in the door. No sheep are going out. No wolves are coming in. No thieves are coming in. And Jesus said, I am the door. You don't have to worry. He's got things under control. Psalm 23, 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You're never going to be satisfied in this life with stuff. You're going to be like John Rockefeller. How much is enough stuff? Now, I'm not going to make anybody get up here and confess this morning. You can be happy with that. But somebody here has a garage that's so full of junk, you can't put your car in there. Don't, ladies, don't look at your husband, because then I'll know. I don't want to know. Why? Now, that's one of my things. But it, 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 it's a problem. It is an American problem. It is. You travel around the world and you find people are, you know, what do you got? Well, I, you know, oh, my wife and I and the six kids were so happy we have a one-room house now with a bathroom. And we in America have six-bedroom houses with two, two people and two dogs. 
Don't want to have kids because they'll mess up my house. Now, I don't know if you're there, but if so, you've got your priorities screwed up. God calls us to be satisfied with him. When we're satisfied with him, then, our, then, then the, what we do lines up with his priorities. Now, it's a lot of talk about sheep. It's a lot of talk about shepherd because I want you to understand, you truly are a sheep. And that means you truly are, and God forgive me, but you're dumb. But here's this. It's dumb and dumber. You, some of you had seen the movie, and you know what I'm talking about. We, 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 are, we run around, and we're going to say, oh, I'm going to be satisfied. I'm going to be satisfied. Oh, look, here's this big bucket of salt water. I'm thirsty. I'll take a drink. What happens? Well, then you're thirsty, and you keep drinking, and finally you're dead, and you're still thirsty. You're not satisfied. You're only stressed. But we don't have to be. We don't have to be. Our shepherd says, slow down. Turn things off. And it's a problem because we don't ever turn things off. Do you turn the television when you, on when you get up so you, don't, so you have noise in the house? Do you have a radio going all the time because you don't want quiet? Turn it off. Now, last time I came, I preached a very interesting sermon. What was it about? The Bible. Ooh, that's the second person that's nailed me. I thought, sure, I would win. I almost always win, and people look at me. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was in the church I grew up in, and I preached one Sunday. And the next Sunday, I came back and said, okay, now what did I preach on? And it was a deer-in-the-headlight look from everybody. I have a great nephew there who's 15 years old, and he told me later, I knew you were going to do that. And so he got this goofy grin on his face, and I said, do you know? And, and he did. But normally, it's quickly forgotten. Why is it forgotten? Because our minds are so filled with stuff all week long, not just work, but just cluttered up with junk that we can't remember. Now, not every sermon is, is memorable. You might say, well, whew. and trust me, there are times when I leave after I preach and I say, ooh, should have stayed home today. But I hope that's not true today. What, what are you thinking about? Because in Jesus, we have, a, we have sovereignty and sympathy, a king and a shepherd. That's your Jesus. In Jesus, we have a God who is able and a shepherd who is available. That, that's your Jesus. A God in the heavens and a shepherd in our heart. That's your Jesus. Even when you don't feel it. Now, whether I look like it or not, <laughs> I jog in the mornings. I don't go very fast. If you ever see me, you know, you won't be impressed. But all of a sudden, I went out on Friday morning, and I go out early. But what happened? It was dark. And I turned the corner to go, the route that I go, and there, the Big Dipper was hanging in the sky. And I said, well, hello, old friend. You've been there all the, whole, all the time. Just like Jesus, when I can't see him because it hurts so bad. Or because you're so worried. He's still there. You just can't see him. 
but he's our shepherd and he's our constant shepherd and he's with us every single step of the way. Slow down. Well, how are you going to do that? In Isaiah 30, verse 15, it says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I just try to go a little faster. And a little faster. A little faster. Sometimes my life gets pretty crazy. Um... I was trying to remember even where I was last Sunday, and I realized it started Friday night. I had a wedding rehearsal over in Hinton. Then I came home, and Saturday I went back for the wedding, and I was there, and I participated in the wedding. Then I drove to Sioux Falls, stayed in Sioux Falls, got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, flew out to Ohio. Then I was in a grain show for two days, and then I flew back, and it was like a blur of activity. You just get so tired. It's like, what do you remember? What do you remember? We don't because we are too busy. In Psalm 46.10, there's a beautiful short verse, and it says, Be still and know that I am God. Now, I have three sisters. When we were growing up, I might have heard this statement more than once by the middle sister or the younger sister to the older sister. And it was like this. You are not God. Have you ever heard anybody say that to someone because they're acting like it? Well, I want you to go home and I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to say that. You are not God. Be still and know that he is God. People, please slow down. Please cut out a chunk of your time and meditate on God's word and meditate on your relationship with Christ. We're so busy and our life is nothing more. Okay, so it's the physical part, that's fine. The financial part, that's fine. What about your spiritual part? I hammer it into my kids' heads. I don't know if it's sinking in. You've got to have balance in your life. That's fine to be physically fit. I've got a 22-year-old. If you saw him, you'd go, ooh, you know, oh, he's got big muscles. Nice kid. Yeah. Really, really smart. Really smart. I just keep hammering away on the spiritual, <laughs> spiritual side and the spiritual side. And Bob, just like you, you just never give up hope. You know, you just look at him and it just keeps going and it grows and it comes around. But they have to stop. You have to slow down. Now, here's a very interesting thing about sheep. Sheep only chew their cud when they're lying down and they're content. Well, you know about chewing cud. You know, they bring that back up and it's got all that sweet grass in there and they've eaten it before and they bring it up and then um, um, um. cows chew their cud. Every, cows chew, have you ever seen an unhappy cow chewing their cud? No. Cows chewing their cud are happy. You don't believe me? You go look. And you try to look at a cow that's chewing their cud and say, oh, that cow is really stressed. That's really ticked off right now. I mean, it's going to take me. No, they're not. Not when they're chewing their cud. Stop chewing their cud. You better watch out. So today, here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to, I want to challenge you to chew the cud. If you remember nothing else out of this sermon, you can forget all those fancy words for God that are crammed into Psalm 23. You can do that. Chew your cud.
But first you eat the Bible. First you eat it. You take it in. I don't care if it's one verse a day. You start with one verse a day. Then you can take a whole chapter. I don't care. You can read the whole book if you want to. But then I want you to take some time, cut it out of your day, and think about it. And try to apply it to your life. It is a constant struggle for me. I try to do it. I go back to it. And I am not quitting till I die. Chew your cud. Psalm 1-2 says... But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 104:34. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 119:15. I will meditate on your precepts, and I will fix my eyes on your ways. God may also, if you choose not to take that time and chew your cud, you might go back and reread Psalm, 30, uh, Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, the shepherd has both a crook, his rod, and his staff. All right, the staff, we know what that is. What does he use the rod for? Well, protection. But occasionally, if there is a sheep that is especially a naughty sheep and it wanders off and it's always getting into trouble, the shepherd then will take that sheep and he'll take it and he'll take his rod and he'll break the leg of the sheep. Snap. And then he'll bind that leg up very carefully. And then he'll put that sheep right here in his bosom and he'll carry that sheep until that leg heals up. And when the leg heals up and the sheep can walk around, where does the sheep go? Ah, he never gets far away from the shepherd again because he knows the shepherd is the one who cared for me. Now, I don't know if God has ever broken your leg, but he's broken mine. And that is when we grow the most, when we're close to the Savior. Don't wait. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. Now, Bob, did you spank your girls growing up when they were naughty? Yeah. Did you spank them enough? Did you spank them enough? You think so. Oh, they, they, they both think so. Okay. But isn't it amazing as parents, if you discipline your children what they want afterwards? They want a hug. They want your love. They want, we're the same way with God. So please, look, I as a father, I love my children. They don't have to make me spank them first, but the older two did. Don't do that. Don't do that. Psalm 23, 2, and it goes to this. God may, choose, may, may make you lie down to chew your cud if you don't choose to do it of your own free will. My dad was an interesting guy, and my mom just said, hmm. The only person that can make Ken Winkowitz look up to heaven is God. And he puts him flat on his back in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I am my father's son. Psalm 119.67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I keep your word. Ooh, that's a good verse. 
And Psalm 119.71 says, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. My dear friends, lie down and chew your cud. But if you're as stubborn as I am and God has to break your leg first, then chew your cud. But whatever you do, chew your cud. Now you're going to, I had a really good ending here that I can't find, so hang on to it. Hang on to your hats here. No. Um, so in Psalm 23, 2, we find the cure for stress. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And in verse 1 is the secret of satisfaction. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When we are satisfied with Jesus, we will not be stressed by the world. In the midst of the storm, we will calmly sit and chew our cud, meditating on the shepherd and on his words. I want to invite you to do something today. For those of you who actually brought a Bible, and I will remind you with all love and kindness, this is not a Bible. Open it up right, right there in the flyleaf fly there, right in the front, right there. What time of the day you're going to try to meditate? Start with a minute. Start with five. You try it. You try it. I was sitting over here, we were singing, and all of a sudden I was thinking about this project up in Minnesota and how that one guy needs to do this. And then, and all of a sudden, I, I said, Lord, how, how did I start thinking about that? You were not sing, singing about elevators, I promise. And our minds are fickle. So ask the Lord to help you to concentrate and just meditate. Take, take a minute. 60 seconds can seem like a long time. You can expand it after that, but, but go ahead and do that and let it grow. That is my challenge to you. It's all about focus. It's all about focus. There was a man in a grocery store, and he was following a lady, and I might have told you this story before, and if so, forgive me, but it fits here. And he, he was going, and here, here was a lady in the aisle, and uh, she had a little child who was very active in the cart. And the child was grabbing stuff off the shelf and everything, and the mother was putting it back, and, and he heard the mother say, now, Monica, it's only two more aisles, and then we're done. And so he went, and they crossed again, and there the kid was, you know, just grabbing stuff. And, and he heard the mother say again, now, Monica, it's just one more aisle, and then we're, we're done. And then he got up to pay, and she was paying in the next one, and this kid was pitching a fit that she couldn't have this stuff and grabbing stuff. And the mother calmly said, now, Monica, just a few minutes, we'll be in the car. And he was very impressed, and as he left, he realized this lady is parked right beside him. And so he just stopped, and he said, ma'am, I, you know, I just want to say, I have never in my life... Um, you seen that, I want to encourage you, you know, I, somebody as patient as you, the way you handled that situation, and I just want to encourage you that, you know, someday little Monica's going to grow up, and she'll be a nice young lady. <laughs> the lady smiled at him and said, oh no, I'm Monica. I'm Monica. You see, the problem generally is not the other person. It's ourselves. So I want to close with, don't let your husband keep you from meditating 
on God's word. Don't let your wife, don't let your kids, I don't care if they're brats or not. You have the checkbook. You rule. You can lay down some rules. Leave me in peace. Give me a few minutes. You know, it's an, ama it's an amazing thing. My 22-year-old son calls his mother every night from college at 8 p.m. His friends are amazed. My wife's friends are amazed. Everyone is amazed. But see, he and I know the secret. Now he actually does it because he wants to. But you know what the secret is? I one day called him because my wife was not happy. And I have to live in the house with a not happy woman. So I went outside and I said, hey, buddy, how you doing? It was quiet, and he said, okay. <laughs> and I said, well, here's the deal. I've asked you to call your mother every night at 8 p.m. Now, I know you're physically capable of doing that, and now I'm going to help you. If you miss calling your mother one time in the next two months, I will immediately shut your phone off. And I'll turn it back on when you drive home and ask me to. And he knows when the tone is the tone, it's over. Oh, he said, I think I can do that. I'll tell you, my wife was the happiest lady for the next week. She said, oh, man, can you believe how he's maturing and growing up? He's actually calling me. And I said, oh, isn't that sweet? Now, I don't know what needs to happen so that you can choose a time like 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock. I don't care. I don't care. But if we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, do not get our priorities straightened out. We are not going to survive in the days that are coming in this nation. So chew your cud, my beloved friends, because the next time I come back, I'm going to ask, and I hope you will be doing it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are the Jehovah of the Old Testament and the Jesus of the New Testament and that you are our Savior and our Lord and that you call us to follow you. But you are the Good Shepherd and you know our names. And you protect us and you care for us and you grow us. And yes, you'll discipline us if we need to. But Lord, help me, remind me to read your word, to meditate on your word, to focus on that. Make it a daily thing. And I ask that you'll help my friends here. Help us all, Lord, because we're sheep. And we need you as our shepherd to keep guiding us and pushing us to follow you all the way to glory. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this time together. We ask that you'll bless these folks as they go. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.